0: He reports carriers bearing 320 degrees, 180 miles northwest of Midway. Well, Leighton, you and Roach were only off five minutes, five miles, and five degrees. Well, we'll endeavor to do better next time, sir.
1: Okay, right off go.
0: Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 148, and returning from last week is Nisbet. How are you doing this week?
1: I'm um, doing well. Tired from work, but that's not unusual.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Now, our movie uh, this week was 2019's Midway. yes. We are we are doing back-to-back Roland Emmerich films, but kind of from both ends of his uh, career uh, chronologically. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Universal Soldier we talked about last week. That was his first kind of American film. Um, yep. Which,
1: and, like, I think I mentioned this last week, which was better
0: than I thought it would be. Yeah,
1: yeah. Crazy, but still better than I thought it
0: would be. <laughs> it's way out there. Um, now, Midway is his most recent film until, like, two weeks from now when Moonfall opens. Yeah. Um, and this was released in 2019 and it is a, uh, it is, it is a remake of an older film, a 1976 film about Midway, but it's also kind of just... Yeah,
1: I don't know if I'd call it a complete remake. It's more like a readaption.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's the same story, but the story is from World War II. Uh, uh
1: I mean, yes and no. I mean, yes, it tells the battle of Midway, but at the same time, you're also missing the love story plot line from the 76 one.
0: Well, what I noticed was that this movie and the 1976, and we're going to compare the two. Uh, I'm just going to say that right in out in front. To, yes. <laughs> because I did, I, I agreed with you. I felt like it was kind of important that we sort of compare and contrast the two because they're telling the event, the same events more or less, but in two very different, different styles as well as just very different, uh, eras of filmmaking. Um, yeah. One of the things that I noticed right away was the older film did an interesting thing where they used, they reused footage from other films or used stock world war II footage, uh, yes. for dog fights and all sorts of stuff in part, cause they didn't have the budget or the, or no, the resources really. to do anything. I think yeah. I read they had like three planes for the Something entirety of their, of, of their production. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy. It really is. I will say this: twenty nineteen Midway was pretty damn good. I enjoyed yeah.
1: it. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you if you were to ask me, like I, I sort of alluded to this before with you, um, if you were to ask me which one I like, I actually have to take a minute. Like which one I prefer, I actually have to sit here and actually think about that.
0: For I which, will. are
1: talking about because for something like a movie and then it's remake. Um, I'll give an example because I've seen both the original version of Oceans 11 and then the um, newer one. Yep. And I much prefer the newer one, even though the older one is still very much a classic.
0: But sort of like this, they're two very different movies. And right. these two versions of Midway... One is structured. I mean, it's made in 1976, but it feels even older than that in a lot of ways yes. because of the way they shot it. It feels like an well, old, you know, 1950s era World War two film.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think that was sort of intentional on their part too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think so. Uh, I, when I, I'm I, doing it. I agree.
1: Um, but I mean, you know, when you look at the casting list for both, I mean, it's still pretty oh. damn impressive. I mean, you still... One of those where it's you, you, uh, you know, like the seventy-six one. You had Henry Fonda, you had Charlton Heston, um, you had.
0: Oh no! You go down the list of who is in the seventy-six Midway. Charlton Heston, Henry Fonda, James Robert Coburn, Mitchum. Robert Mitchum, Hal Holbrook, uh, Toshiro Which... Mifune, Cliff mm-hmm. Robertson. Uh, Robert yeah. Wagner is in a is is in it for a few minutes. Tom Selleck yeah, which, is in it for one shot. Uh, right,
1: And this and Robert Wagner is the same one that, you know, has been playing uh, you know, Anthony Dinozo senior on NCIS. It's the same guy. Yeah, Just 50 years younger.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Um plus the the uh the stable of actors they got to play all the Japanese characters in the 76 yes. version with Pat Morita with um yes. James James Shigeta um uh sab shimono was in there i mean these were all fake. i'm watching this and i'm like hey i know that actor i know that act. i'm like i'm pointing constantly <laughs> like i know them i know them i've seen them and stuff yeah. and well, it I was
1: mean, you know it was less so with the newer one but at the same time you still saw a lot of faces you knew
0: Hmm. yeah and the cast in the new one uh has uh ed screen um patrick wilson woody harrelson luke evans I, I, I want to focus more on the newer movie, but one of the things I noticed between the two, I will say this, is Charlton Heston's character is, is a fictional character.
1: It is. Yes.
0: But he's sort of an amalgamation of a couple of characters. Right. They kind of took... So they took the, the uh, character or the person of Edwin Layton yes. and Dick Best, who are Ed Screen and Patrick Wilson in this, and sort Best. of mashed them together. They took the two of them, they put them together and then they added in, as you mentioned, the love story, the subplot where his son is set to marry or trying to marry a Japanese girl, uh, Japanese American, um, six months or less after uh, Pearl Harbor attack. And so there's like that whole subplot that's that was made up for that movie that they didn't they didn't do anything with in the newer version. Um,
1: Yeah, they they, I, I think wisely took that part out.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a good subplot for the time. It's just now it's like... mm,
0: Well, after... I mean, basically anything that comes after Pearl Harbor and does that is going to get compared. Like, if the new Midway had done that, all people are going to do is say, oh, they're just doing the same thing that Pearl Harbor did. No, Pearl Harbor did the same thing Midway did in the 70s. Just much more bombastically. Um, Yes. But... Having said that, like I love Charlton Heston was was very good in the old movie, but I liked the fact that the 2019 that Roland Emmerich and and crew decided to go with the actual people that were involved in this. Yes. And and look, it's it Hollywood. It, the, the the 2019
1: was when it was a lot more faithful to the actual event. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, slightly more, you know, still a little bit artistic license i've taken i'm sure
0: oh yeah definitely
1: Uh, because hollywood and this sga and don't get me started down that (laughs) rabbit hole um i i have a friend who has a three-hour rant on the sga that's not a rabbit hole i want to go down right now (laughs) (laughs) leave that one to the side
0: yeah, it's um, it's one of those, like, you know there's artistic license taken. That's not exactly how things went. But they tried to keep things uh, more in line with sort of the events that happened and not add in yes. plots or stories. The other thing I liked was in the 76 film, Charlton Heston's character, again, he's an amalgamation. He's a, he's a couple of real people kind of mashed into one as Matt... Um, oh, what's his name? Matt Garth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He his character arc ends with him crashing his plane on his way back to the aircraft carrier at yes. the end of the film. Yes. And it had me wondering when I was watching the, the newer one, I'm like, did that, is that something that happened or did they, they make that part of the story? And I liked the Almost. fact, I liked Almost. the fact that it wasn't <laughs> though. Um, so yeah, it was one of those things. This was, uh, this was actually, it's weird because I don't think of myself as like a war movie buff um, per se. I don't seek them out, but when there's a good one to watch, whether it's, um, I, I actually quite liked *Wind Talkers*. Um,
1: yes, Saving- I enjoyed *Wind Talkers* a lot. That was a very good movie.
0: Mm-hmm. *Saving Private Ryan* is a, is a classic, yep. uh, and it's very very well done. Um, yep. I put that not quite that level, but this movie is is that type of movie where it's, it is telling this story it's dramatizing it but it's not adding in a bunch of stuff that we don't need to see that my problem with Pearl yeah. Harbor wasn't that it was a Michael Bay film what it was that it was all the bad parts of the Michael Bay film for an hour and a half and then an hour and a half's worth of like telling the story of what happened on Pearl Harbor yes. and we we needed like, yeah, one we needed just one, yeah. one of those two things we didn't need them both yeah. um, um,
1: I, I I do think what I enjoyed best, though, was the thank yous that both movies did at the very end.
0: I, would, I, I very much like that. The, and, other, the other part of it that I really liked is both of these movies did not go to the point of caricature with either side of the conflict. They didn't yes. overly glorify the United States or overly vilify the Japanese Navy. Yes, they were. They
1: stayed. They stayed pretty. Um, I want to say pragmatic. That that's not the right term. That's not the right term.
0: They stayed neutral um, in their neutral. depictions. Yes. Yeah. It was. Yes. Both sides were shown with integrity and with honor, and for in terms of like, they didn't make anybody into caricatures. They didn't like try to editorialize anybody's uh, uh motivations or anything like that. It was just like no, this is one side that's doing what they need to do, and this is another side that's doing what they need to do, and we're going to show both of those as neutrally as possible. And I appreciated that. Both movies, both versions of it did that. Um, yeah. Which I wasn't expecting as much of in the 76 version, but as I kept watching further and further along, I'm like, no, this is... I'm i am really liking this.
1: Yeah. Well, and and... Okay, so the neutrality of the movie when depicting the story... Is part of honestly part of why I actually have to take a pause, uh, mm-hmm. and actually really, really think about if okay, 1976, 2019. I mean, th- this is probably one of the few cases where the remake outdoes the original.
0: Well, I think some of that is that they had far more resources to make the film
1: right but i mean even even equalizing out everything else Mm -hmm. i mean just in general overall it's it's i don't know there's something there's still something very good and very nice about the 1976 version absolutely Um, it just i don't know um, the other thing too that was actually kind of cool is they actually started with I don't know if you noticed this but with the 2019 one they started with Pearl and they mm-hmm. did the, they handled the Doolittle ring yeah granted between the two of them, it was all of like 25 minutes or something like that and it wasn't like oh hey you're in the middle of that action it was okay here's 10 15 minutes of fireballs you know from the Arizona. You know, and yep. then you were done. You well, that was... And then you saw the carrier pull in and seeing the aftermath, even though you as the viewer did not see the entire, the entirety of that battle. They mm-hmm. well, get to see the end. And, and then you did also got to see, okay, well, there's a dual little raid, and then beyond what Pearl Harbor did, it actually sort of went beyond them landing. Yep. In free China. They, they did more than a little bit more than that.
0: Yeah. That was one of the things. So this movie did a really cool thing. I thought, which was, it was about two hours and 20 minutes long, but it was paced so well that it didn't feel like it was over two hours long. Um, and it's, it's part of that. Like they started off, they gave you within the first 15 minutes, you got the Pearl Harbor attack but it wasn't this drawn out thing. It was very quick. It was very uh, deliberate. And then they moved the plot along. This lasted, the, the story was told over a longer period of time, incorporating yeah. the attack, incorporating, um, as you said, the Doolittle run. And the only thing I think with the Doolittle run that they could have touched on a little bit more that they did mention more in the older version was the fact that it was more or less a moral victory. There wasn't a lot of damage done.
1: It was, yeah, it was a morale victory. It was not a strategic victory.
0: Yeah, and it was basically, it it bolstered the morale of the U.S. while making the Japanese forces be like, oh, crap, they got to Tokyo. And we thought they couldn't. Well,
1: well, and what they did touch on a little bit in both is Coral Sea, which happened between Doolittle and Midway. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the blunting of the nose of the Japanese advance. Yep. It wasn't like a full on, Oh, Hey, we're bringing the hammer down on the anvil. It was a, okay, here's a warning shot of if you continue forward.
0: Yeah. And, and I liked stretching the story out over a little more time. Um, because that the other thing that this movie did was it focused more on the people involved instead yes. of there wasn't there was certainly talk about and it brought up a lot of the strategy and a lot of the the minutia and all the moving parts that were going on but it wasn't so focused on that aspect of it as it was the people that were involved in making all those things go yeah. so you got like um uh the character of uh Halsey Admiral Halsey who yeah. in the 76 version Roger ro- uh, Robert Mitchum has a cameo. He's in one, he he shot it in one day sitting in a hospital bed because of the, the eczema that he had, whatever that rash was. And in this, you get to see Dennis Quaid, who was sounded as grizzled as possible. Like it it sounded like he took a wire bottle brush down his throat before doing all of his scenes. Um, but (laughs) he, he was, uh, he was great. Like that's the thing that this movie had going for it. That I was worried about is, I don't dislike Roland Emmerich movies. I'm going to say that. Like, I enjoyed uh, Independence Day. I enjoy, you know, because most of the time they're kind of just dumb, turn your brain off, have yeah. some fun.
1: Yeah, and this- that's, what I, that's what I genuinely like about a lot of his movies is that I can sit here, work on, say, the con schedule, which you, I've talked to you about before, mm-hmm. uh, and have that on in the background on this screen and be able to turn off my brain and go
0: okay yeah um but what he did here was the casting was so good so i want to start with um with ed Skeer, uh ed Skier screen ed screen is dick best first of all not an american and the accent right. you could kind of tell like he was yeah, definitely he putting on a lot right. of an accent there um but he was good. I really liked him. He had the most, I would say, probably the most arc of anybody in this
1: yeah. in terms well, of I kind mean, of
0: what he had to go through.
1: When you think about it, it the Battle of Midway was really more of Dick Bess and McCluskey's story, really, mm-hmm. as, as well as Dickinson and a few others, to be sure. Um,
0: but we had but more. Yeah, it, yeah, there was, there was a, a lot more Midway. focus on them.
1: Yes, I, I will say um, you could tell, kind of tell that, you know, going into to uh, even Coral when um, Nimitz got assigned to Pearl, you could kind of tell he got handed a pretty raw deal.
0: Oh, sure, for sure. Because he
1: had to basically he came in because his the, his predecessor screwed up because of Pearl, mm-hmm. and then. You know he has to go in and you know try and salvage this entire thing and and basically two fell suits between Coral and Midway basically turns the entire Pacific Theater around.
0: Yeah. Yep. And uh, we, we should mention so um, Woody Harrelson is uh, Admiral Nimitz. Um, I loved him. I
1: could not have picked. I really could not have picked anybody better. Honestly, I. I don't
0: know. He has there's,
1: the... there's just something about the way that Harrelson carries himself as Nimitz that mm-hmm. it it works really well, and you buy it.
0: You buy it you because buy that
1: in a previous he... life, that he was Nimitz.
0: Yeah, I mean he <laughs> he has he carries himself in such a way that he kind of commands respect, which yes. is what what Nimitz did with while also while not being, um, like there's a way to carry yourself, uh, Charlton Heston, for instance, um, even though he wasn't playing the admiral in the old movie, Heston's got that kind of thing where it's like, you, you respect him because he's Charlton Heston. And if you don't, he's going to probably take you out to the woodshed and beat you within an inch of your life. Like he's got that kind of a presence to him. Yeah. Harrelson's got this presence to him where it's like, he commands your respect, but he's also going to listen to you. Yes. And, um, and that was great because he immediately is willing to listen to uh, Layton, who's played by Patrick Wilson, who yeah. was amazing in this too. I, I, I very much like Patrick Wilson. Um, yeah, and-
1: he's, he, he's a very underrated actor in a lot of ways, I think. Um, I mean, of course, I'm also now looking at his his list – his credit list. It's like, oh, okay, well, he's been in a lot of things I would not recognize him in, but at the same time, it's, oh, no, there's some definite things I recognize him from.
0: Oh, sure. Like, Between the, the Conjuring day, like, films oh. and Watchmen yeah. and, you know, he's, he's done a lot. Um, the thing I liked about him here was, again, he's got to play uh, a character who, who has to be confident in himself and he is but he's just, he needs that he's confident in himself, but he needs to be assertive about that. And like Patrick Wilson kind of gives you that vibe. Uh, Ed screens Dick best. However, he, he is so good at playing that, that cocky pilot, like that type of character. He fits so well in that role, but he can give you some emotion. So those scenes after, when he gets command finally, when he finally gets to command a squadron and he's gotten the thing that he wants and he's still being who he is and that kid's like, you fly like you don't care if we come back or not. Yeah. There's some and emotional moments points, there. Which
1: The kid points out to him, you know, towards the end and he goes, no, I do care. I want to come home. It's just this is how we're going to have to go in order to win.
0: Well, and, that's, okay. and that takes place after he took that other kid up and the kid crashed yeah. on takeoff. So yeah. his you, you could easily have your confidence shaken, but he still flies the way that he does. Not because he doesn't care, but because it's the way he has to do it in order to come back.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So I liked him uh, quite a bit. Um, Luke Evans was McCluskey, which was a character in the old movie that was barely in it. Um, so yes. it was nice to see McCluskey.
1: You only saw McCluskey in the in the aircraft. That was it.
0: Yeah, you never airport. saw him outside of it. And he also, again, is one that has a good screen presence. So him and Ed Screen kind of butting heads as they did yeah. was great. <laughs>
1: that always made for good they always made for a bit of a good uh, dinner theater on screen. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, they were both really good. Um, I also like Dickinson, uh, Luke uh, Kleintank. Um, who was, you know, screen's yep. best friend. He was, he was a ton of fun. I even like Nick Jonas in this. I thought he was, he yeah, got to, that was... he got to be like the most, I would say outside of Dick best, like the most caricature of a person. Yes. Yeah. Um, But uh, it was a ton of fun. And I guess uh, apparently that was pretty accurate to who Bruno Guido was. Really? Um, From what I read. That uh, that was Wait, just did the way. Guido
1: actually get tied to an anchor and then shoved overboard.
0: That was like that? that was supposedly what happened to both of them that got captured. Oh, yeah. Oh, the only difference was what I did read was that. Um, okay, so uh, although it can be seen as embellishment by the filmmaker, Bruno Guido's daring shooting of the damaged Japanese bomber, that scene. Um, which feels like the most Hollywood of the moments, right? Where he runs over and jumps into the back of that plane and pulls yeah. the gun out was as the that, bomber's that coming in. probably
1: the least Hollywood
0: of it. Yeah, they're like, all details from his jump into the cockpit of the uh, to the Japanese bomber almost hitting the deck and clipping his plane to the exact words of his promotion by Admiral Halsey are historically accurate, according to the oh, trivia well, that I read. That,
1: well, that's that's actually pretty impressive. I mean, it's, you know, in... in I think I said this with um, Dunkirk, too, but it's nice to see that both of these movies uh, were more done. The directors treated them far more seriously than their usual material. Um, they treated it far better than their, their typical script that they would normally do.
0: Definitely nice. in this case. Definitely yes. in this case, uh, <laughs> Emmerich. Emmerich treated this with a with an earnesty, an earnestness, it, um, almost
1: holiness too. Yeah, really. When uh, you think about it,
0: that if you look at his other movies, he does. It, it, and it's not that his other movies don't have that, but their material is so outlandish that it kind of becomes that, like. It gets a little tongue in cheek. There's a little bit of wink and a nod, where this was played very straightforward. Yeah. And with a lot of respect. Yes. Without ever getting to the point of being like cheerleading. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um. And I really, really dug that. Uh I I do I did find it interesting watching them in order, watching uh Seventy Six Midway and then the then the newer one. Um was how different like a character like um, Rochefort was because in the old movie, Hal Holbrook plays him and he's in a lot more scenes and he's a lot more involved and he's talking to Admiral Nimitz a lot. Uh, and in this movie, he's in one scene basically yeah, two because he's right at the end as well. Um, but uh, I, you know, I liked him. He was a quirky dude. They, when they come into his office and he's wearing the smoking jacket, he's got his fuzzy slippers on. Yep. because that was another one of those things where I'm like, in the old movie, I'm like, oh come on, they're playing that up. Nope, they did the same thing in the new one. So that was just how that dude was. Which
1: oh, you're Rochefort?
0: Yeah, Rochefort.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, no, code breakers, though, I, Weird, I like how, weird group. I like how they did they did Rochefort. Seeing how Holbrook play such an interesting character was kind of, excuse me, was uh pretty interesting. I mean, because again, not his usual affair.
0: <laughs> no, but man, I love Hal Holbrook. He's oh, so much fun every time he's on screen. He is. He is. Um, um, of course,
1: you know, Holbrook also does, plays a, uh, is an episode of a show that, you know, I've been, you know, hurrying you to uh, watch.
0: Yep, yep, I know. It'll so. happen. <laughs> it will. Um, Jimmy Doolittle was played by Aaron Eckhart. He's sort yep. of. Like the character of Maddox in the old movie played by James Coburn, where they, James Coburn is third listed in the 76 movie and he's in essentially a scene. Yeah. He has one scene with Henry Fonda.
1: Yeah. Well, you also recognize Aaron Eckhart from somewhere else too, right? Well, yeah.
0: I mean, Dark Knight and Thank You for Smoking and all sorts of stuff. Aaron Eckhart, Aaron Eckhart has been around for a while. He was a good casting choice because it's somebody who you're going to pay attention to. Yep. But, you know, his character's only in it time, for a little bit. He's
1: able to sort of fly under the radar, too. hmm. Because yep. right? he's in there for one, two, three scenes, and he's gone again. He's like, oh, I know you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's almost.
1: But you also don't see him just enough to know, oh, I know you, but you don't see him long enough to go, oh, I know who that is.
0: Well, I did, but that's me. Well, I'm a the okay. rare breed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, You're unique. I am. Uh, this is true, but no, I I liked that. I, again, part of me wants to be like, yeah, but I want to know what kept happening with him. But that's not important to the story that they're trying to tell. Yeah. Yeah. But having that, having that in the movie was important to what they were trying to tell. What he did, the raid that Doolittle's uh, squad went on, and then yeah. and then the fact that they had to ditch in the China Sea and end up in Japanese-occupied China. And to see that part of things was important for the story they were trying to tell. And then they didn't, they didn't need him anymore, so he's just like, he'll show up in the end credits, um, in, well, the, in the thank yous.
1: It, it's funny if, the, one of the most important battles in, in the European front was, well, actually it was a few. Uh, for the Eastern Front and the York theater, it was Stalingrad, and then in the Western Front, it was D-Day and mm. uh, of Verdun or Battle of the Bulge were the three main fights. If you're looking at the Pacific, it was um, the Doolittle Raid, it was Pearl, and then it was Midway. That were the the big big ones because yep. after Midway. The Japanese Navy did not field anything near as large. They couldn't. No. Their, their uh, shipbuilding, fuel reserves aside, their shipbuilding capacity was a fraction of what the US had on the Western coast. Right. Never mind in total. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's telling that we were able to hold our own at the very least, you know. With with the Pacific theater, while we were still fighting, you know, in Europe and in Africa, and then we were able to turn our full attention to the Pacific, and then start really hammering down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, a couple more casting people I got to talk about because uh, the the character of Admiral Kimmel, Husband Kimmel, is yes. played by David Hewlett. Um, again, blink and you'll miss it cameo. Uh, but I love David Hewlett. He is a fantastic actor. He's, he's super funny. He was great, uh, in Stargate Atlantis. That's what I always think of him from. Um,
1: yeah, I see, I didn't really see much of Atlantis. So, but yes, I can see, I can see that. I uh, can see him being
0: very memorable for that. Yep. And he, he's one of those where it's like, I see him in something. It's like, oh, cool. I like him. And so that was, that was a neat little bit of casting for a, a cameo. Um, the, um, Admiral Yamaguchi. So there was two main Japanese admirals. They didn't focus on as many characters, uh, from the Japanese Navy in this movie. Um, but Yamaguchi was played by, uh, Tadanobu Asano, who is best known for his MCU work as, um, he is, what's his name? Hogan in the Thor, uh, movies one of the warrior warriors.
1: Oh, okay. That's okay, kind of,
0: yeah, that's, that's what he's most known for by a lot okay. of audiences. Um, but he was great. Him yes. and, uh, and, um, at sushi Toyokawa who played, uh, yeah, Admiral Yamamoto, uh, both of them were fantastic. Yes. I will say if I'm comparing the two movies, The Japanese Navy depiction in the 76 film, I like more. Um, Yes. Because there's, there's more of it. Um, There's more of it. There's more characters. There's just kind of more going on Uh, there. They did do, I did like the, the kind of butting of heads of the younger and older uh, officers in the newer movie, the way that they would be playing the, the younger officers were playing their war games, right. And doing their strategizing, yeah. And the fact that, you know, the the older admiral just got so upset about that because they weren't following what was kind of established and they were actually right in that aspect. Um uh-huh. but the the Japan the the older admirals in the Japanese Navy were just so confident in what they had going on and their intelligence and what was happening that yeah. they they just couldn't conceive of a way uh that the Americans would do what they did. So I liked that, but I just think the overall depiction in the older film, I I liked more. Maybe it's because yeah. I recognized more of the actors in that one, <laughs> which did help because I could connect with them a little bit more. Um, yeah. but, but both were very good. And that's the yes. thing. Both were very well done. And again, they didn't make anybody into, they didn't do a good guy, bad guy thing in this. It was just two sides of a coin. And I appreciated yeah. that. Um, because it, then and, it makes the character, you make the characters more interesting that way.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it was funny too. With with both versions, uh, you can see the mistake. Well, what we now know as mistakes, but you can see the mistakes piling up on both sides, and seeing oh, yeah. the errors just compound and just snowball, mm-hmm. like. You know, at the very beginning, you know, and instead of sitting the planes down, like they should have even in the midst of the, the, the sea battle, they should have just launched the damn planes off. And they yeah probably would have totally wiped out Midway with that. And it would have been the end of the story.
0: Yeah. The fact that they had the the Japanese Navy where they waffled and they're like, no, 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 refit yeah. them with bombs. Well, no, get the that torpedoes was on Nuguma them.
1: Well, that was Naguma that was waffle. Well,
0: yes it was um but
1: a lot of a lot of that the the failure of that battle for the japanese actually lays on his his shoulder
0: Mm -hmm. but yeah definitely you're seeing and and again it's from both sides the mistakes and and the things that worked you can see it all piling on and and the way that it layers and the way that like the domino effect of stuff how it goes it was pretty cool um I very much enjoyed that. It's it's really really interesting movie, and it's an interesting story in general because by the numbers, if you're looking yeah. at it on paper, when before things happen, that should not have gone in the Americans no. way. In the Americans, no, 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 at no. All.
1: that should not have gone the way it should have. It absolutely should not have gone the way it did, and yet it did mm-hmm. purely because the Japanese side just the errors just converted faster and harder and and in a far more catastrophic manner
0: yeah yep
1: i mean did it make i mean you could say what was the line you know the the end of of the 76 version was right you know with with um
0: oh churchill's quote
1: no chester the the last lines of the uh where nimitz is going you know it doesn't make any sense you know they had everything going for them oh right that line sums up
0: the entire battle, the entire, uh, the entire operation. It's like, Yeah, basically, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those, like, we won. How? I don't know, but we did. Like, it, it shouldn't have worked. It did, and it's impressive to watch, and it's, it's interesting yes. to watch all those things fall into place. And the fact that yes. uh, I love how both movies made it a point to say, look, we're intercepting 60% of the chatter. Of that, we can maybe translate 40% of that. Oh, so yeah. so we're, we're understanding... No, we're understanding like 10%. We're getting like one word out of 10 that we actually know what yeah. it is. And yeah. yet they were able to play a hunch and sort of extrapolate and just the intelligence work that Leighton did and that Rochefort did. Yeah. well,
1: the fact of, oh, hey, we're going to go and have Midway send us this out in the clear. And, oh, hey, we just... And then two days later, oh, hey, we just intercepted this from the um, Japanese. They're targeting Midway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, putting Which, out that misinformation and making that work.
1: And, and, and I suppose in some ways doing that kind of gave the big fat middle finger to uh, Washington, to the Joint Chiefs, basically going, we actually kind of know what the hell we're doing.
0: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um and, <laughs> Another thing, and this wasn't as big a plot point in uh, Emmerich's movie as it was played at least in one scene in the old movie, and that was the character of Raymond Spruance. Um, yes. So he had no previous carrier experience France. in but command.
1: Right. But as Mitchum character pointed out, hey, this guy was able to uh, keep up with my my you know rear end. From yeah. one in the Pacific to the other while I'm going full speed. Yeah. He's in charge.
0: That was the thing. He was nominated, like, Halsey, and and the, the way that scene played out in the 76 movie was great because Mitchum, again, Mitchum is one of those people, one of those actors with just a ton of presence, but the way yeah. he put it, he's like, yeah, the guy doesn't have experience commanding carriers, but he's a hell of a commander. He could keep up yeah. with me. He's the guy you want. Yeah. And for and Nimitz knew, all right, if Halsey says it, I'm listening. And that was the yeah. smart play because the way Spruance commanded was important.
1: Yes. And it paid off because, and the Japanese weren't, didn't, either didn't know or didn't care or whatever. They thought he'd still be on the thing, but they thought that Halsey would be in command. So they were yep. banking on that. Yep. And they didn't check, which if they had checked, you know, if their operation check on what the hell, what the heck was that Pearl had actually happened, then. No, they would have been like, oh, okay, well, we have to now figure something else out.
0: Yeah. And again, talking about those mistakes piling up as well as a little bit of luck and the fact that they were preparing for Halsey and for his command style and what they knew of him. Yeah. And instead, you get Spruance, who's got a very different style, but he can still yep. keep up. And so yes. now all of a sudden, they're you know, they don't know what to do. And
1: Spruance was the right call for that battle, for sure. Absolutely. And it off. Uh, What was the uh, – and it's funny because the battle was a near catastrophe for the U.S. and a complete catastrophe for the Japanese. And one quote from neither movie uh, that I can recall that I I sort of enjoy is, a catastrophe isn't when one thing goes wrong. It's when 12 things go wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yep.
1: And how did it –
0: Oh, boy. And that – now there are a couple of moments in this movie that uh, number one, I, I did a little bit of research and enough to to kind of find out yes, they did actually happen this way, but they're so they're so kind of out there that they don't feel real. Yeah. One of those is uh, John Ford showing up on Midway and yes. filming stuff that really, yeah. happened. That that was, really happened. That was that was apparently yeah, that was apparently Ed Layton's idea. Um, To bring John Ford in there, the actor they got to play John Ford, by the way, was perfect. I thought he was great. Like he just made me think of John Ford because John Ford, one of my favorite John Ford quotes ever was somebody was asking him about a shot from, I can't remember which, if it was Stagecoach or which movie of his it was. And it's this really sweeping shot and it's like this film buff critic that's interviewing John Ford. And they're like, yeah, so you had this shot in this movie. and you, How did you shoot that shot and all this? And he just, he's, John Ford sitting there with his sunglasses on, a big cigar, and he just goes, with a camera. Like, <laughs> that was John Ford. And so to see him show up here and the whole thing, like, it feels like it didn't happen where he's, like, running up on top of that thing to get shots of the planes as they're flying in. No, I, yeah. I completely 100% buy that John Ford was doing that in that moment. Yeah. Like, he was just that kind of dude. But that was a fun little moment. And then we mentioned it earlier, but the moment, um, the scene with Bruno and O'Flaherty when they get captured. Yeah. Because they were just floating around, waiting for somebody to show up. The boat shows up. And I liked the way it played out because you just see it on the horizon and they're like, is it an American or Japanese? And then it cuts. And the next time we see them, they're on the deck of a Japanese boat being interrogated. But that was a, like... A tough scene because apparently, and again, this was trivia, so take it with a grain of salt. But according to what I read, the way it actually worked out was O'Flaherty and Guido gave them information. They weren't completely stonewalling them, but they gave them information about stuff they didn't know. So they just made stuff up. They didn't tell him anything about the boat they came off of. They were telling him about, I think it was either Midway Island or something else where they were just making up information. And uh, is, is what I hear. How true that is, I don't know. But in the movie, the way that scene goes is rough because you see them, you know, they're tied up. And when they shove him over the side of the boat and he's just sitting there swimming and then they drop that anchor down there. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, what a rough way to go. Because as soon as you see that anchor, you know, and if you're the guy floating in the water, you're just like, "Well, I'm done, so you almost i mean you almost can't like struggle against that. it's really oh, yeah. it's just it gives you chills to think about that happening to you um and just such a such a cold blooded way to deal with people too in any you know, and that's i mean war. Look, war is hell. We know that. Um, and I've never had to deal with it directly. But that was a chilling scene. And so I definitely wanted to make sure uh, that I mentioned that. Um. Also, the Matt Garth character from the 76 Midway didn't have the, they didn't do the whole thing with the oxygen that they did in this. Yeah. It happened to Dick Best because that actually yeah. happened to him. Um it.
1: Yes, it actually
0: did. Which is another one of those things that feels like it was made up for this story. And then you find out, no. Right. He... But yeah. but the real story is kind of also pretty interesting because he had tuberculosis uh, he when he was been. younger.
1: He also, yeah, he also had a pre existing condition, too. Yeah. That exacerbated the whole thing.
0: Yeah. When that caustic soda got in there and it, it kind of reopened that and the TB got worse. Yep. Um, so, but oh, man, how rough would that be? Like, yeah. All this stuff is going on. Oh, yeah! And by the way, you're going to start coughing up blood because you have, uh, you know, TV. all this going on. You got tuberculosis, on top of, uh, you just barely made it back in, what is a flying gas can at that point? Yeah. But even even um, oh okay. So, <clears throat> this movie had some fantastic dogfight footage. Um, like the yeah. the. All the scenes with probably, the dog fighting was really good.
1: Yeah. Probably a lot of it was computer generated, but sure. given today's years, it's not surprising. And it actually looked pretty realistic anyway. Um, I mean, there's some tells that kind of gave away that it was probably computer generated, but it's like, eh, it's fine enough away. Who cares?
0: Honestly, it was really well done. And what worked was that they never, it was quick cut, but it wasn't uh, frenetic. Right. So you were able to, for the most part, keep up with the action and where everybody was, which is yeah. crazy to think of because the pilots didn't know where they were in that dogfight, yeah. let alone that, us that watching. for it.
1: all, no. Yeah. That for all, no, nobody would have known who was where and what.
0: So I, I appreciated that. It's-
1: they would not have had the IFF systems
0: that we have today. Yeah, so yeah, and and it's just it's really uh, it was well done. It was well put together. Um, yeah. I visually. So Roland Emmerich has a way with visuals, where he has a, he has a style, and usually yeah. it's super over the top, um, because he's this dealing with is an, just right yeah I mean,
1: this was not too hot. this is like the the third this is like the third bear of the three bears hot not too cold, just right,
0: yeah, because I mean and again, I sort of touched on it earlier where like his normal disaster movie end of the world stuff it's so outlandish, it's yeah. so over the top in in scope to begin with that the visuals match that. it's an alien invasion, so let's just go for it. you know it's the end it's twenty twelve and the end of the world just go for it this was actual things that happened. So he toned that back a little bit, but it still had his dramatic flair. It had his visual yeah. style, which worked really well. Um
1: Yeah. With, with this, his style, his directing style, his visuals, his style of doing things, like paid dividends for this movie. Like were there other directors that could have made something equally as good or maybe even potentially better? Sure. But this, in, this own, in its own right, this particular one was still very, very good and very, very enjoyable.
0: I, I would say, I mean, yes, I think you're right in that there could have been directors that could have made a, uh, a better, maybe a better film. But I'm, I'm, it's hard pressed for me to say a lot who? that who that could have yeah. been because he's really on top of his game here and he's getting good performances yeah. out of everybody in the movie. I mean, there isn't... Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't see a bad performance in this movie.
1: Oh, no, no, no. no. And for me, that's sort of why I said, you know, with a maybe better, but mm-hmm. not likely. Um, because this, this, and actually Dunkirk too, for that matter, are tough needles to threaten. Like, just with the Dunkirk, with the seriousness of the subject matter, because that's the evacuation out of Dunkirk, you know mm-hmm. you're going to be losing people and who knows what else
0: i will and say this is yeah freaking
1: midway and this is freaking midway one of the biggest and battles that there was in the pacific
0: yeah i would say like the direction of dunkirk i think outdoes the direction of midway but yes. having said that They're very different movies.
1: Yes. And they're very different points in time with very different um, mindsets that you have to sort of be in. Mm -hmm. Because Dunkirk, again, you're evacuating. You're basically, you know, you're watching the losing side of a fight that's trying to escape with your skin intact. Yeah. Midway is, oh, hey, we're going to go ahead and go head to the OK Corral.
0: Kind of, yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit more of that um, for sure. I mean, this is much closer to your traditional-style war movie, uh, World yeah. War Two movie, than Dunkirk was. But both are really well executed. And I think that's the thing is with Roland Emmerich doing this, what he did was he took, he took the real-life scenario, he took the material, he gave it his visual flair, but he executed everything really well. There's nothing... Yeah. In, there's nothing in this movie that I would say completely blows me away. And it's just right. like, wow, I can't believe they did that. Wow. I've never seen anything like that. None of that. But there's also never a point where I was just like, this is dumb. Or Ugh, yeah. why did they make that decision? Like yeah. I have never had those right. moments either. Right.
1: Like he, he threads like for this movie, he threads, he dances a very fine line and threads a very tough needle. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very impressive.
0: It really is. It,
1: it, it's 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 one of those. It's one of those movies, you know. It's like, okay, well, this is this was not an easy thing. He somehow did it without all the other nonsensical or, or not nonsensical nonsensical, but the other things that didn't need to happen that happened in the other movie. He he shoved out, and then was able to basically slot in and fill in the rest of the time, missing time with actual story bits that you sort of need.
0: Yeah. And again, not focusing on the nuts and bolts of every decision, but giving us, giving us enough to be able to follow along with what's happening while also showing the results of everything. So there was, there was a lot less. Yeah. Well, there was a lot less like standing around the table strategizing in this movie.
1: Yeah yes Uh, and to to his credit too that it's under it's in a lot of ways it's understated but it's done in a way that sort of highlights the seriousness of the battle Mm -hmm. too so that's that's actually really really nice to see yeah also he doesn't can't do just do you know uh disaster movies too
0: <laughs> oh absolutely and and too he's able to work in like there is dramatic tension going on there are things yeah. happening between characters as well but it doesn't feel out of place like no. dick best and wade mccluskey butting heads because they're both really good at what they do but they have right. different okay. ideas I, of how it should be done yeah that makes sense i buy that
1: yeah. Yeah, and I buy that that was sort of their relationship during midway. Like, Mm -hmm. I absolutely buy that.
0: Mm -hmm. Totally, 100%. I also
1: buy that that McCluskey McCluskey at the end of it also had a significantly greater respect for some of the crap that uh, uh, Best had to put up with and deal with and some of the, the stuff that he had to mentally pace through.
0: Yep absolutely that that was uh that was nice they didn't overdo any drama between um best and his wife who was played by mandy moore who we didn't even mention i thought she was really good um but there was still like that could have been overdone right really melodramatic with her being because she was concerned for him and rightfully so and he's doing what he has to do but they never they they never overplayed that they never overplayed um, you know, Ed Layton and his wife kind of having some issues with him working too much. Um, it was brought up. It was made a point, but it was never like it was never overdone. They didn't overextend on any of these dramatic plot points that right. took away from the overall story that they were trying to tell while still making these characters feel like more than a dossier, right? Layton is a workaholic and it does weigh on his wife a little bit, but he's doing what he has to do because they they, yeah. they don't she, have a choice.
1: And, yeah, and she understands. that. Mm-hmm. You can see, she understands. She yes, she absolutely hates that he's working late. She absolutely hates that he hates that he's an absolute workaholic. But she looks at what she he's doing and go and knows what's going on. And he, she's like, no, okay, I get it. I understand. We'll just work through it until yep. this thing is over with. And then we'll
0: just do our best. As, as he said, uh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life making up for all the time that I spent working. Yes. Um, yes. which totally makes sense. Now, <clears throat> here's what I will say. And we bringing up Dunkirk was probably a good idea uh, or a, a good thing because if I am comparing the two movies, and since we've both watched them and talked about them already, we can do that. Um, I think that Dunkirk. Myself is, before
1: you. Yes.
0: <laughs> I, I think that Dunkirk is a. Is a superior film. I think that the, what Christopher Nolan was able to accomplish with that was done better. However, yeah. I am more likely to watch Midway again. If I had the choice between the two and it's yes. because well, Dunkirk is, is designed to the way that it's built and the way that it's made is not a, this is, this was more of a popcorn fun movie, something that you can sit down and watch and it's got some good action, but it's also based on real events. Dunkirk is not an easy, it's not a difficult watch, but it's not a super easy watch, but it's meant to not be.
1: For me, sort of in the, I don't know if this was the case for you, but when I was in high school, each term, the social studies department would spend a week or take one week and have a movie watched by the entirety of the all of the social studies classes.
0: Okay. Uh, we might and, have done things like that.
1: And to me, Midway, while fun and certainly more entertaining, would not probably have been the one that the department would have picked. It probably would have been Mid- uh, Dunkirk that they would have picked.
0: I would say, yeah, it, as entertaining,
1: as grim as Dunkirk is, that is probably still the one that they would pick because, for goodness' sake, they picked Schindler's List one year.
0: Yeah, I remember. I remember doing that. Um, no, I think so, that's a good way to put it. Is that Midway is a more entertainment-driven movie than Dunkirk is. Dunkirk is yeah. telling a story, and it's it's I think better. I don't want to. Better isn't a good word. It's a. It's a. It's a different form of art yes. than Midway is. I think Midway definitely falls into uh, entertainment more. However, there's nothing wrong with that either. Oh no! Like it's it's no. very good to have that entertainment while still telling us a story that really happened. The Battle yeah. of Midway well, happened. All this stuff happened.
1: Well, and a lot like Independence Day, the first movie, not the second one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we don't talk about the second one. And day after tomorrow, you know, mid, this Midway is one, actually, well, technically both of them are ones I will happily throw on from, you know, wherever the hell I have them streaming from to the background as background noise while I'm working and not have to worry about it.
0: I will say that uh, that 1976 Midway was, I enjoyed that a lot more than I was anticipating. Um, really? I did. I, and, it, and and I don't know. I
1: think I th- the 2019 one was going to be the one that would surprise you, not the tw- 1976.
0: No, because I sort of have an idea of what I'm getting into with a Roland Emmerich film. So oh, that's fair. I, I kind of have an expectation there, but my thing with the 76 one was I was worried that it was going to be too much of the old school world war two film. And it is that, but it isn't as well. Like, Charlton Heston's character. Yes. He's, um, you know, he's a little tough on his son and they have that whole subplot, but at the same time, he just wants to help his son, which was when that movie started. And that first scene between the two of them, I didn't think that's how that relationship was going to go. Um, so it was things like that. There was, there was things, the, the depiction of the Japanese Navy in the 76 movie surprised me a little bit more than I anticipated. Um, I just, I had a better time with that movie than I thought I would. I love the actors in it, which did help. I mean, it was just one after the other, after the other of like, holy crap, is that guy, holy sh! you know, it's it's Cliff Robertson, like, just popping up out of nowhere and and all of that. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, Dabney Coleman is in that movie for a moment. Like I said, Tom Selleck has a blink-and-you'll-miss-it cameo uh, as a young uh, aide. I really enjoyed that. Um but I will say like Roland Emmerich's Midway, it's good movie. It's fun. It's worth watching. Uh, Oh yeah. Whether you're a war movie fan or not. And I think because while it's set in world war two, it just feels like it could be almost any time in a lot of ways. Yes. Yes. Which, uh, which I think adds to the entertainment value to it where, and again, because it doesn't go too far. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't overdo any part of anything that it makes for a fun movie that most anybody could get behind watching. If you like actiony explosiony movies. Yeah. So I, I recommend it. It's, I had a fun time with it and it's streaming right now free on IMDb TV. So like you can watch, it's got limited commercials. You can watch it for free.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad that you enjoyed the movie. <laughs> that. Is- like, I mean, yeah, you sort of know what you're getting into by going, "Oh, it's a Roland Emmerich movie." Okay, well, I know roughly what I'm getting into. Okay, <laughs> it's about my way. Okay, I can kind of see what I'm going to be. getting into. That's great. You know? um, but still, the fact that you know, you're you were able to enjoy it is is very good. Um, it
0: definitely did.
1: Glad to hear that.
0: It's also, I mean, you compare and contrast now with what we watched last week in Universal Soldier. And you see how far Roland Emmerich has come as a filmmaker yes. in a cohesive story where the pacing and the tone felt even throughout all of Midway. That is, if I have like any, like the most praise I can give to this movie is it was paced so well and there was no points where it drags and there's no points at which I felt like this scene doesn't make any sense we talked about a little bit with universal soldier, the whole diner scene, while fun and silly feels yeah. so out of place with the rest of the movie that they're, they're playing. Right. Because yeah. here we have the universal soldiers and they're, they're ruthless and it's, it's R rated and they're, you know, they're, they're lots of stabbing and shooting people for no reason. And then there's this silly fight in a diner where they want him to pay for all the food he ate. Cause he ate like the entire kitchen's worth of food. Um, so it's nice to see a director, evolve over time and kind of see where he came from and what he's doing now and and just see that evolution see those changes see those things where he's he's taking something he's got so much more money and so many more resources but also so much more pressure from a studio instead of an right. independent film and well, he's 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 come a long way and he's doing a great job with it.
1: well and you know he, for for both movies i think given for the budget that he had for both he used his resources oh, quite yeah. well mm-hmm. i mean he didn't it, it feels like he didn't waste a single penny never mind a single you know thousand dollars or whatever yeah like it just felt like okay oh, hey, uh you know the the studio got every every penny that it spent out of that movie and then some just with the end product.
0: The bummer of it is, is that unlike universal soldier, which was cheap to produce and, and made a bunch of money worldwide. Midway did cost a hundred million dollars to make and it's worldwide gross was only 127. It kind of got, it, it was a combination of, uh, I don't remember a lot of marketing for it, in 2019, I don't remember seeing yeah. a lot of this movie's coming. I don't like
1: think, I think it locked marketing. And I think it just locked the, the, you know, the visual. Oh, hey, you know, the advertising.
0: Yeah, the, the advertising. This opened in November of 2019 and it's opening which weekend. Was
1: right before COVID hit, which was also right before COVID
0: hit. It was, but it's opening weekend in November of 2019 was 17.8 million dollars so it didn't did not have a big opening at all um its total u.s gross was 56 million so it just kind of and again it was the advertising and the marketing didn't i didn't know about it going into it and then on top of that it wasn't going to get a lot of word of mouth before theaters started shutting down a couple months later so it couldn't have that longevity that even if it had had a big uh, a decent opening it wasn't going to last very long so it It didn't, it's a bummer that this movie wasn't more liked in theaters, but I do think that it, um, is the type that will, at some point it's going to show up on a major streamer, like a Netflix or a Hulu or something. And when it does, I think it's going to become pretty popular that way because I think it's, it's that type of movie. It, it actually rated fairly well. I mean, it's a 6.7 on IMDb. It's like 70 something percent in most places that I see, which is about what I would, what I would say. It's right in that kind of 65 to 75%. It's very good. It's not great. It's not mind-blowing, but you're going to have an all right time with it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and, you know, comparing, you know, sort of going back and comparing, the 76, based on for the IMD rating, IMDB ratings, the 76 one beats it out by 0.1.
0: Oh, yeah. They're basically looked at as the same Same. in terms of how people kind of look at them and like them.
1: that
0: that's pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, anytime so, you can remake for, for something. how
1: little marketing it receives, that's still pretty good.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, for a modern era, world war two film, uh, is good. It was very enjoyable. Very fun. Oh yeah. Like I say, it's not, it's not quite to the level of a saving private Ryan for me or, uh, or kind of artistically at the level of say Dunkirk, but it's got that entertainment value. It falls right into yeah. that spot where it's like, Oh, you want to watch Midway? Cool. Let's, let's kick back yeah, and watch it, that. Let's it, crank it, the sound up. It, and Yeah.
1: It hits the right quadrants to be enjoyable by a lot of people.
0: Yes, I think so. So
1: it, it it's, I just think it, I think if they had spent more money with the marketing, I I honestly think it would have had a better showing. And I think they would have been a lot better off for it.
0: I think so, too. You know, I do wonder how many people saw the name Roland Emmerich attached to it and didn't want to see it based on that. Which, if that's true, like that, you're doing yourself a disservice there because this isn't 2012. This isn't 10,000 BC. It isn't Moonfall, which honestly... I'll probably go see Moonfall just because I have I have Stubbs A-list, so it's not going to cost me anything extra to go see. And I just want right. to see well, the, the ridiculousness Moonfall. that that is.
1: Yeah, well, and the idea of Moonfall, like, it's like, yeah, it's a role in an Emmerich disaster film, but at the same time, it's one of those, okay, there, is this either going to be really good, or it's going to just be really insane, and both are fine for me? Mm-hmm. So...
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: If I can if I can get myself to be willing to walk into a theater. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go see it. I mean, I've already missed in like the last 2 years like half a dozen half a dozen movies I wanted to go see in the theater that I didn't get a chance to. Um mm-hmm. Dune being one. I was kind of mad about that one. Um but yeah, there, there's a few in theaters I wanted to go see in theaters that I just because of covid and because of People not wanting to be smart. It's like, no, I'm not taking that chance. No, I don't want to see it on my computer. I want to see it on the big screen.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't blame you, though, for not going. If if I lived in an area that was uh, where where there yes, was a I'm lot more the people. the western
1: edges of the Detroit metro area.
0: Yeah, no. You couldn't pay me to go to a theater living down there. Nope. nope. Not, not going to happen. Nope.
1: Nope.
0: Well, Nisbet, thank you, you so the much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> If yeah, exactly. I, if I was
1: up here. I would. I absolutely would.
0: True. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on again. Uh yeah. for For two weeks in a row, we got to bookend uh, some Roland Emmerich and and do a back to back again. That was fun. I always enjoy this. Yeah, it was it was good fun. You brought me, you brought me another movie that I hadn't seen that I quite enjoyed. So you're you're two for two yeah, on that. I, two and
1: two. I mean, so we're both two and two for that one. I mean, now so that's that's a good thing.
0: Okay, but here's here's the rule though. The next time you come on, you cannot bring me a World War II movie. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm gonna make fair you enough? work for. No, it.
1: no, you're right. You're right. No, that is absolutely fair. I no, I will take that challenge.
0: All right, I'll make you. I'll make you stretch I will a little absolutely
1: bit. Absolutely take that challenge.
0: Well, thank you again so much. So typically we record Sunday nights. I had a thing last night, um, so I couldn't. Uh, we couldn't do that. So it's a Monday night we're recording this week, but. Um, we're always it, it at- out
1: anyway because it turned out that yesterday after my few things i had to do that i was in no shape to have been doing this anyway so it it worked out
0: so it was for the best um but yeah i always record at twitchtv tvstravis. you can come hang out be in the chat room uh watch the show get recorded um chat with us it's always a ton of fun and if you do come and watch the show live you get to see my dog sleeping in the chair behind me she's all conked out right now she look at her she's so cute <laughs> Um, if you enjoy this show, uh, it comes out on Wednesdays as a podcast at tvstravis.com. Uh, from there, you can you find it in all the podcast players, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever. Um, if you want to help support the show, uh, there's Twitch subscriptions, of course, Kofi, K O Fi.com slash tvstravis. You can buy me a cup of coffee. And now as of tonight, I've got some merchandise now too. So you Ooh. can go to store dot stream forward slash TV's Travis. I just have a couple of things. There's a t-shirt sweatshirt, um, like a desk mat, um, that kind of stuff. And I'll be adding some new things on there, uh, kind of going forward. So if you want some, some, uh, merchandise, you can find it there too. Um, and, uh, next week I got a fun one. Uh, Steven from horseshoes and hand grenades is coming back, uh, to the show. Oh, and we are watching, he is watching, for the first time, Good Morning Vietnam. So I'm going from World War II to Vietnam. And, uh, and I am excited because <clears throat> I love this movie. And I have a lot of things that I really enjoy about this one. So I can't wait to talk to him about it, and I can't wait for him to watch it. Because for me, this is in my probably top five Robin Williams movies that he's starred in uh, is good morning Vietnam. So I can't wait for that. Uh, so that's going to be next week um, on the show is good morning Vietnam with Steven Adams from horseshoes and hand grenades. Always a fun time with him as well. Once again, Nisbet, thank you so much for being on this week and last week. Yeah, of course. And, uh, and always welcome back. We'll do it again sometime soon. I'm Yes.
1: Sure. I enjoy our, our, I do enjoy our uh, back back absolutely it's always always fun to see which ones you bring me and you know like for me with you it's two for two so we're doing good
0: we are we are and uh who knows maybe by the next time you come on i will have started watching the west wing we'll see
1: who knows we'll We'll see
0: see. we'll see stranger things have happened
1: yes yes they have
0: so once again thank you and thank everyone for uh being out there and uh supporting the show in any way you can whether it's uh, buying merchandise, whether it's uh, buying me a cup of coffee or just listening, just downloading and listening to the show. Uh, you're wonderful. I love it. Uh, I, I do this because I enjoy it and because uh, you like listening. So thank you again. So next week is Good Morning Vietnam. And until then, uh, look, it's really, really cold outside. So, uh, you know, just be excellent to each other. All right? That's what you haven't seen.
1: jumped out of a perfectly good plane. Well, it was on fire, and the controls were dead.